Hey, this is Pastor Joaquin G. Molina from Spring of Life Fellowship, and I want to welcome you to our podcast. I hope you're encouraged with this message and you stay the course to change the world. God bless you. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for Spring of Life Fellowship. Thank you for a light in the midst of darkness. Thank you, Lord, that you stand as the head over your church, that you said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So we, Father, declare that you are victorious and that in you, we are victorious. So, Father, we praise and worship you as you champion the cause of Christ, the salvation of souls. You came to seek and to save lost men. So make that a first priority in our heart to reach all peoples for you, Lord, that all nations will turn to you. Every nation, every tribe, every tongue surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. We pray for today's message, that it will be a compelling message that will change and transform our lives. And we believe that your word is truth, Lord. And that when we know truth, it will set us free. When we're intimate with what your word says, we will be breaking the chains of darkness, of captivity, of being slaves to darkness, Lord. We pray that your word might prosper in the hearts of your people and that it might be a good seed planted in good hearts that give good fruit, oh God. A harvest that glorifies your name. We pray, Father God, that your word would be bread, the bread of life. Because man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of your mouth. We pray for a supernatural covering under the blood of Jesus, under the shadow of the Most High God during this season. Surround us with a hedge of thorns. Keep us safe, Lord, and allow us to fill the earth with your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, and the people of God say amen and amen. This morning, I just, you know, I want to be the first. I've never heard of a message like this. Today's message is called, Hello, My Name is Mrs. Jesus Christ. What's that mean? I want to introduce you, my friend, to the bride of the Lamb. We're going to talk about how the Bible is full of illustrations that that reveal the heart of God. You need to know that God is passionately in love with his wife, with his bride. We see that the Bible starts with a wedding in the Garden of Eden and it ends with the wedding of the lamb in the book of Revelations. We see that this is a consistent uh, thought and theme throughout the scriptures. As I see my notes here, I I want to again end with the last... um, you don't, you don't want to miss at the end of today's meeting, I got a special word from one of our young preachers. Um, Lucas Cornejo has a message for the church. I'm going to leave that as the dessert. We've already had the appetizer. Now we're in the main meal. But don't leave before you see what Lucas has prepared for us. But here it is. I want to end with the, I want to finish with the beginning. And it's found in Revelations 19 verse 7. See, because I'm always been... Ever since I came to the Lord, he's the lifter of my countenance. So he's the one that puts the pep in my step. He's the one that gets me excited. I I don't get excited like when I see God 
and doing his work upon the land. That's, that's my priority. That's my pursuit. That's what I live for every day. What will the Lord do next? Um, that, that, that verse here says, let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory. That's, that's the theme across scriptures that culminates here in the last book of the Bible. Let us be glad. Let us rejoice. Let's give him glory for the marriage of the lamb has come. Everything that God is doing has the culmination of a theme of celebrating his bride. The bride of the lamb. So the marriage of the lamb has come and guess what? His bride has made herself ready. What's that mean? She has done all things necessary to culminate in this time. It means that she wins the race. She fulfills the call of God on her life. She fights the necessary battles. She, she is totally decked out. The Bible says in verse 8 that she has been given, it was granted to her to be arrayed, that means adorned, in fine linen, clean and bright. This, my friend, is a classy lady. She is no common, ordinary, run-of-the-mill bride. She is adorned. She is decked out. The Bible says, we're going to read this today. She shows herself forth with incredible jewels. The, the presentation of fine linen is the righteous acts of God's people, the saints. So wherever she is, people can tell, uh, notwithstanding... Um, Part of my surprise in these days is, is that one of the Jonas brothers marries a, a Hindu girl and he totally betrays the foundations of his faith by joining with one of another faith and celebrating a woman 10 years his senior and the world is lost. They don't know how to walk in a manner to honor the king of glory. So you see a lot of these things with the confusion and the craziness of the chaos. And it's a current that leads to destruction. It's just going with the flow of this world and the devil is wrapping you with chains. He's tying you up and he's taking you with him. He takes no prisoners. And so here, the woman that I want to present to you today is called the church. She has several names I have here for her. She is rejoicing. She is glad. She gives God glory. She's prepared for the wedding feast of the Lamb. She is wearing the appropriate garments. She is decked out with fine linen. And we, my friend, um, are seeing her. Isaiah 61.10 says, We greatly rejoice in the Lord. Now, this is a book that was written 500 years before Jesus comes on the scene, but it's the same spirit we see in the book of Revelation, and it's the great rejoicing of the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, 
for he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He's covered me with the robes of righteousness. He presents himself as a bridegroom decked out. That's where that word comes from. He decks himself with ornaments. He, he has all the garbs, all the righteous vestments of being prepared to betroth his bride. And as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. This is, this is Mrs. Jesus Christ. I want to introduce you to her because you don't want to be lost in some identity theft. There's a lot of people that says, I'm the real wife. I'm the real wife. I'm the, listen, you imposter. You're a low life. You're not living the life that Christ laid down to give you. You need to be introduced to the authentic Mrs. Jesus Christ. For many are saying, Lord, Lord, you know, I'm part of the church. I, I used to be part of the church. I once was on the list. I, I once paid tithe. I once congregated. I once served. I once knew the fellowship of the brethren. You're not walking like that. And so this bride, both decked out, verse 11 says, for as the earth brings forth a bud, that means as things begin to show forth, a lot of these flowers, you can't tell what they are until they begin to open up. And as a garden causes things that are sown in it to spring forth, you're either the seeds that have been thrown into your life for five years, for 10 years, for 15 years, for 20 years, they're flourishing, they're opening up and they're bearing fruit. Or my friend, you're a bunch of tares in Spanish, cizaña. You're not bringing forth the fruit of what's been sown in your life. And God gave you generosity and you ran with it and became selfish. God gave you prosperity and you ran with it to serve idols. God gave you prosperity and you raise up the banner of the Marlins, the heat, you, the dolphins. You raise up Hollywood. You, you raise up all these things, but you're not raising up the banner of Christ. So Mrs. Christ, she represents her husband. She represents the groom. She's prepared to please him. And the Bible says, so the Lord will cause righteousness and praise. When people see what God does over her, they shall spring forth with great celebration before all the nations. It's not going to be something hidden. I really feel that any person who's going to marry when I was going to marry Yvette, I had a picture of her in my wallet, and I went around all the world. This is the one. This is the one I've chosen. This is the one who's chosen me. Uh, we have a declaration, and it's here. I, I've written it down. In the Songs of Solomon, chapter 5. No, I'm sorry. Let me get to it. Um, chapter 7, verse 10. This is her declaration. I am my beloved... And his desire is towards me. She knows who she belongs to. This Miss Jesus Christ, she has ownership. I am my beloved. My friend, you didn't want to mess with Yvette when I was going around with her picture in my wallet saying she's mine. And several opportunities, I was introduced to 
enemy elements to clarify what I was pursuing. And if you want to have problems, mess with Mrs. Jesus Christ. Mess with the church. Um, disparage her character so that you can see the elements of he who she belongs to. I am my beloved. And his desire, that means he's putting the forefront of his priority towards me. He's made me the first thing in his life. And this is Jesus' sentiment. And we need to understand that. As we continue to pursue this, um, there are many who want to disparage the character of the church. Um, it's a triumphant church because Jesus says in Matthew 18, 16, he says, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell. Let's go to 16, 18. Matthew 16, 18. Um, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Who's talking? Jesus is. Who's he talking about? The church. What's he saying? That she's victorious against all of hell's missiles. Whatever the devil schemes to try and diminish and deplete. If, if keeping the families of the church away from the church is a manner in which the devil is trying to discourage us, boy, he did the wrong thing. Because now our love is more fervent than it was before coronavirus. Our understanding is more clear. We are more definitive, more deliberate, more willful in our focus. So we know the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. The church is victorious, number one. Number two, 2 Corinthians 11, verse 2 Anyone who is working for the church or appointed to take care of the church, whether it's a pastor, an evangelist, a prophet, an apostle, a teacher, he's entrusted to what God most loves. That means, hey, take care of my bride until I come back. Take care of the one I will betroth, I will marry until I get back. Do not be disloyal. Do not betray. For I am jealous, Paul says, with a God-type jealousy. For I have betrothed you. I have engaged you to one husband. That I might present you a chaste virgin to Christ. Now, what's the opposite of a chaste virgin? Is a, a harlot. A woman who, when her husband takes off or her groom is distant and far away, she has other love relationships. She has other interests. She has other priorities. Let me tell you something. There is no one more faithful to Jesus Christ than his church. There is no one that you can move away from her stance, her passion, and her devotion to the one she is going to marry. That is her thoughts 24-7. She can't wait for his return. And while some people are walking in a manner to, to distract her devotion, her consecration, her love, verse 3, he says, because I fear 
lest somehow the serpent, the devil, as he deceived Eve, being sneaky and crafty, so your minds might be corrupted. You might have somebody throws things in your thoughts that would cause you to depart from the simplicity that is in Christ. A lot of people have wanted me to become sophisticated and complex. I don't want to lose my love for Christ, which is simple. I don't want to be a theologian. I want to be married to Christ. I don't want to be a scholar. I'm in love with my Lord. So the, the, the bride of Christ, she's not looking for any theological explanation. She, like they say, love is blind. She's totally enraptured by his love. She's consumed and influenced by his wooing. The Bible says that we should be careful, verse 4, because other Jesus, another Jesus will be, will be manufactured and fabricated. For if he who comes preaches another Jesus, see, a lot of people don't, you know, the claims of Jesus are purity, faithfulness, holiness. And all of a sudden, people are saying, listen, Jesus wants a disloyal bride. He wants a bride who doesn't prepare herself. She's not arrayed in fine linen. She's not prepared white without blemish, without stain. So if somebody's talking to you like that, you know they're not going to, bring you to the wedding feast of the lamb because he's not gonna marry a bride that has blemish spot wrinkle why because he's laid down his life to present unto himself a glorious bride she's she's prepared to meet the standards of the lord i often say like king david he says if you want to marry my daughter bring me a hundred foreskins of the enemy, of the Philistines. And he says, no, she's worth more. I'll bring you 200 foreskins of the Philistines. I'm going to go fight the battles and I'm not just going to barely make the standard. I'm going to over the standard. So the bride, it doesn't matter what standard you give her. She is bringing far beyond that standard because that's her devotion. You don't see any bride cutting short and discounting her union the day of her wedding. So Paul says, be careful that you not go with another Jesus whom we have not preached or that you receive a different spirit. Make sure that the DNA and the bloodline is there because there's a different spirit that says, oh, God is just a, he's going for anybody or everybody or nobody. No, the spirit of excellence. That's the spirit of Miss Jesus Christ which you have not received. Don't go in another sub-spirit, a phony spirit, a twisted spirit, or receive a different gospel, which you have not accepted. But you, Paul says to the Corinthians, you guys go with anything. You guys put up with anything. Doesn't matter how they present Jesus, how they present the spirit, how they present the gospel. You, you guys are dancing the mambo, you're dancing the cha-cha-cha. You're dancing whatever music is playing. Listen to me. The bride of Jesus Christ, Mrs. Jesus Christ, is not that type of woman. She's not dancing to the drumbeat 
of anybody's drum. She's faithful to God. She's listening. She's tuning. 2 Corinthians 13.5, Paul says, make sure that you examine yourself, that you're being, that you're receiving this, this relationship. Examine yourself to see if you're in this bloodline, this faith line, this DNA. Test yourself. Examine yourself. Test yourself. Examine yourself. Test yourself. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? That that's what you should be pursuing? Unless indeed you are disqualified. You have a measure that is not the right measure. You have a voice that's not the bridegroom's voice. You're listening to the drumbeat of another call. You are not the bride of Christ. You are not the lamb's uh, wife, the lamb's wife. Throughout scripture, the gospels, book of revelation, the epistles, the old testament constantly is making reference to this relationship. These who spoke and wrote these words inspired by the spirit of God saw the beauty, the strength, and the wisdom of the church. In the past couple of days and weeks, I've heard people say, oh, what happened with the coronavirus? Why didn't the church see that? You know, I'll tell you why the church didn't see that. Because the church is doing what the master called her to do. We're about the father's business. We're about his pleasure. We're taking care of the orphan and the widow. We're taking care of preaching salvation. We're taking care of perfecting the saints. So that they walk in the measure, the stature, the fullness of Christ. We are about God's business. And God will show us what we need to see. But he's not going to keep back from Mrs. Jesus Christ the things she needs to know. He's not, she's not going to be distant and disconnected and weary and confused. She's not going to be unacquainted with his heart's desire. I love this verse in John 3.29, which John the Baptist declares, He that has the bride is the bridegroom. He who laid down his life for the church is Jesus Christ. My friend, you don't have to worry about where the church is going to be. You need to worry about that you are the church. You don't have to worry about what happened that the church didn't see what was coming because the church is going to see what Jesus shows her. And he will capture. He's enraptured her heart. And he has embraced her with a grip that says, nobody shall take you out of my hand. So this isn't an incidental bump in the road you fell off the, the, the carriage. No, my friend. He who has a grip on you is tighter than any grip you've been a part of. And so we can rejoice as this is being fulfilled. Hebrews 13, 5, Jesus says like this. Make sure you know that your conduct would be without desire and that you would be content with the things that you have. That you would be settled in your heart knowing that what you have has come from the Lord and what you don't have, the Lord doesn't want to give you. So you could be at peace. For Jesus has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. This is, this is probably um, an insurance policy that Mrs. Jesus Christ has and that she could hold up and she could say, guess what? He's never going to leave me. He's not going to forsake me. He's not a man that he should lie or the son of man that he should repent. He is vested in her at levels 
that no theological persuasion will be able to shake. There's no argument. Uh, there's a lot of people that are, are going about like the Songs of Solomon chapter 5 verse 7. They, they beat on the church. They extract from the church. They disparage the church. The Bible says the watchmen who wa went about the city, when they found the church, they struck it. They wounded it. The keepers of the walls took away my veil from me. So you see that there's elements out there and they're vast. And I want to say that they're spiritual that are defying and stripping the church of her excellence and her, of her beauty. They're trying to diminish her strength. They're trying to walk in a manner that diminishes her display of beauty, strength, and wisdom. I want to touch upon Philippians 4.19 because um, Mrs. Jesus Christ has more provision than she could ever spend because her lifeline and her resources are endless. She goes around saying, my husband will supply my needs according to his riches and glory. Every bride should be able to say that. What's that? My groom the one who wants to be my husband has made provision for me. Not like the modern millennials that are saying, will you marry me so I can live off what you have worked and what you have provided and what you will contribute? That's not Miss Jesus Christ. She doesn't have a timeshare. She owns everything because it flows from him. He supplies her needs according to the vast riches, the lavish abundance of his wealth and glory by Jesus Christ. So there is nothing lacking for Mrs. Jesus Christ. She is confident. Revelations 21.2 says, I, John, saw her, the new Jerusalem coming out of the heavens, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Again, we see the, the context of what God is doing that he sees, John, John the Revelator, he sees coming out of the heavens a city. It, it's an incredible city. And it's full, chapter 9, it's full of the glory of God. She's prepared as a bride. Verse 9 says like this, says... Then one of the seven angels came and said, uh, who had the bowls of the last plagues, came to me and talked with me and said, come, I will show you the bride of the lamb. I will show you the bride, the lamb's wife. She, she, she is the highlight of heaven. Everybody can't, you know, the, the expectation of her coming in to sit upon the throne together with the king of glory, the king of, Lord, the king of kings and lord of lords. The Bible says there, verse 10, he carried me away to show me the lamb's wife, the bride, he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven as a byproduct of God's work. I love Ephesians 5.27, 5.25. One of the things that's her experience throughout her relationship with the Lord could track our lives. And Paul says, husband, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. And he laid down his life for her. Again, we see the element of Christ being faithful. 
There's, there's no playing hide and seek here with respect of him being so mysterious in his devotion and love for her that she is lost. Verse 26 says that he might sanctify, that means separate, that he might cleanse her, that he might wash her by the water, by the word. Why, why is he vested in Miss Jesus Christ? Verse 27, so that he doesn't have a return that's diminished, but that he might present himself, he might present her to himself, a glorious bride. You should underline that. There's nothing diminished in her preparation and her uh, appearance. Not having spot or wrinkle. This is uh, Clarita's favorite verse. She says that a woman is to be fair-skinned. And, and she makes sure she attends to her countenance. It will, that she might not have spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she might be holy. She might be without blemish. Her countenance is not fallen. The Bible says in verse 32, as Paul is speaking, as I'm telling you how to treat your wives, husbands, I'm really talking about the great ministry, the, the great mystery I speak concerning Christ and the church. I, I speak according to how God wants us to live and to walk. The Bible says there in Isaiah 54, and this is powerful and it's glorious. Verse 5, Isaiah 54, 5. For your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. And your redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. And he called, he is called the God of the whole earth. You, Miss Jesus Christ is not married to Rockefeller or to Bill Glaze or to Buffett, Warren Buffett. She's married to the King of Kings, to the King of Glory. She has no lack of disposition, of strength, of honor, of support, of backing. She has no concern. It's really powerful that God would say, I'm your husband. Your maker is your husband. I'm, because I'm your husband, verse 4, fear not, you will not be ashamed. That's the importance of being part of the bride. You do not want to be outside of the reality of the church so that you're not left ashamed. Neither shall you be disgraced, for you will not be put to shame. For you will uh, forget the shame of your youth. If at some time in the past you didn't understand that, get ready to what God is about to do. And will not remember the reproach of your widowhood anymore. You're not going to go about like you're unrepresented. You're not going to go about diminished in appearance and in expression. He's going to take your shame away. He's going to take your confusion away. He's going to take your loneliness away. He's going to take the reproach of your widowhood. You will remember no more. You're not going to remember it. The Lord is going to increase. Verse 2. He's going to enlarge the place of your tents. It's not going to be taken away from you. They're not going to suffer loss. And let them stretch out the curtains of your dwelling. Do not spare length. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. You're not pulling this thing down. This thing is being built up. 
And he who builds it up is, is providing all it needs. Isaiah 60 verse 19. It's not going to be natural things that will provide you light. The sun shall no longer be your light by day. And nor for the brightness shall the moon give light. But the Lord will be your light. He's going to be an everlasting light to you. And your God, your glory. Question is, are you walking in the light of God? Of representing his bride? Of showing priority to his interests? Or you're seeking the glory of this world? The sun and the moon. The Bible says the bride is not going to need natural things to manifest her glory because he will be an everlasting light upon her. He is vested. He is blown away by his affections. He caused, in the book of Hosea, he caused Hosea to marry a harlot, a prostitute. And he said to her, you know something? I want you to feel what it's like being married to somebody who has affections in other arenas. You see these men all over the place. You see these families. You see these women. You have never seen Oprah Winfrey raise up the banner of Christ, of the church, of the Bible. All these that raise up other banners are not under his refuge. They're not representing him. In the book of Hosea, he says like this, Hosea 2.16, It shall be that that day, saith the Lord, that shall call me Ishi, and not call me Master, Lord. On that day, you're going to call me husband. You're going to call me the one who takes care of you, and it's not going to be a distant relationship. So, I know for some men, you can mess with their wives and there's no problem. They're probably giving their wives away, but that's not Jesus' DNA. And Jesus is jealous with a godly jealousy of his church. He wants a chaste virgin. He wants a woman devoted and consecrated to him. Hosea 2.19, he says, when I marry you, it's going to be forever. I will betroth you to me forever. Yes, I will betroth you to me in righteousness and in judgment in loving kindness and in mercy. You're going to get all of me. It's not going to be a one-sided relationship. In the book of Revelations chapter 17, we see the harlot. Read this whole chapter. Revelation 17, the harlot, she is walking in all manner of, verse 13, Revelation 17, 13, the Bible says that the, the one world movement, the global citizens, these are all of one mind. You'll be blown away by the fact that they've been working for this initiative and this perspective and projecting. They don't say let's save souls for 2030. They're saying let's make a one global world alliance. And you know what that means. When you're not part of them, you're against them. And they're going to make war. And the Bible says they were of one mind and they will give their power and authority to the beast. They're going to work with the devil. And what is their oneness and their one mind and their power and authority and their strength given over to the influence of the Antichrist? And what is their objective? Verse 14. They will make war with the lamb. Now, that's, a, that's like bringing a, a knife to a gunfight. You're a dead man. 
You cannot make war against the lamb and think that something's going to happen. The Bible says these make war with the lamb and the lamb will overcome them. For he is Lord of Lord and King of Kings. And those who are with him are called chosen and faithful. His bride, he chose her. And as a consequence of that choosing, she is faithful. I love that. I love that they're making war against the lamb, but he overcomes them. Verse 17, he says, the Lord put it in their mind. God has put it into their hearts to fulfill his purpose to be of one mind. These are all, all these people are going to be in alliance. I couldn't believe uh, Jimmy Fallon and Jimmy Kimmel and Stephen Colbert, they're all against each other and everything else except when they're gathered together in one mind against the things that God purports in his word. They, they do not stand together to promote the gospel, to promote the blood of Jesus, the cross of Christ, the word of God, the church, but they will come together to form one world alliance to make war against the lamb. For God has put it in their hearts to fulfill his purpose, to be of one mind and to give their kingdom to the beast until the words of God are fulfilled. And we already read those today, that all the kingdoms of the earth will become the kingdoms of our Lord. But during that time, they, they, they gather together, they gather together to confront the agenda of the Lamb. Revelations 19, 19 says, when they're all gathered, warring against one another, all of a sudden they find out and they see the Lamb of God upon his horse. Revelations 19, 19. I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together all the kingdoms gathered together to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his armies. They're prepared to come together in unity to come against the Lord. And that spirit is upon the earth coming against his bride. So I rejoice today as I pronounce that Mr. and Mrs. Jesus Christ are preparing themselves in a glorious manner. Songs of Solomon was an entire book written about this relationship of God and his wife. Chapter 8, verse 7. The declaration, many waters. Doesn't matter what the currents bring, they cannot quench the love. And I've seen this over the years. There are people making 50 million excuses why they left the church. And I know why they left the church, because their love did not prevail. But Mrs. Jesus Christ, she says, the many waters could not quench my love, nor could the floods have drowned it. Even if men would have offered me great wealth for this love, it would be utterly despised. What's that mean? She cares about nothing than being ready for her Lord at his coming. She cares for nothing than being part of the bride of Christ. She cares for nothing. There's not going to be offense. There's not going to be scandal. She's not going to make room for unforgiveness and for bitterness and resentment. That's not the bride of Christ. He's looking for a fair minded and clear complexion of her countenance. She has peace and she has joy because she has placed her love upon her beloved. 
The Bible says in Songs of Solomon 2.3 that he is like the shade underneath an apple tree. Like an apple tree amongst the trees of the woods. So is my beloved amongst the sons. I sat down in his shade with great delight. And his fruit was sweet to my taste. That's Mrs. Jesus Christ. She sits in the place of a shadow of comfort and embrace in the Lord. And finally, she says in Revelations 22, 17, this is what she's saying. She was quoted as saying, come. The spirit and the bride say, come. Let him who hears and is a part of the bride say, come. Let him who thirsts, come. Whoever desires, let him take the waters of life freely. This is the hour where God is extending his invitation for you to be Mrs. Jesus Christ. To answer to that call is not words, it's not excuses, it's not explanations. It's a life surrendered at his feet. Father, thank you this morning for this word. And I pray, Lord, as the coming days continue to press upon us, I pray, Father God, that what comes out of our heart is our love for you, our desire to please you far above the rest. There is no competition. There is no distraction. There is no indifference. Father God, we are thoroughly un, unres, without restraint, without limitless, Lord. We're relentless in our desire to please you and to live for your glory and to honor and to serve you. And our priority is your word, Lord. You have given us your word, your promise, and now you desire to enter into a covenant with us, a perpetual, eternal covenant where the bride of the Lamb has made herself ready and the marriage of the Lamb has come and those who have pressed in and have kept the name of the Lord without reproach and they're strong in the Lord and strong in his might and wealthy and rich in his goodness and grace and mercy and we walk in excellent standards of your judgment and decisions in your word we pray that you perfect us Lord that you sanctify us and that you bring us near to you, Lord. Because where there is perfect love, fear is cast out, Lord. We have nothing to worry about. I pray, Father God, that during this season that the church is being shaken and stirred and moved, that it would only serve to increase our devotion, our consecration, our desire to please you and to serve you with excellence. In Jesus' name we pray, and the house of God says, amen, amen, and amen. Here we have the video sent from a messenger that you well know, Mr. Lucas Cornejo. Watch this. Good morning, Spring of Life. Don't worry, God is with us. Amen. Good morning, Spring of Life. The Lord God is with us. God bless you. See you soon. Wednesday, 7 o'clock. Looking forward to being together again. Miss you guys too much.